This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability in the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. And in this week's edition, we're going to be looking at the arrival of spring and what you can do to welcome it. Okay, so we've had a few bumps on the journey to spring with Dudley and Eunice, the stormy siblings, rampaging through the district and causing havoc. And perhaps your outdoor space has been affected with, I don't know, fences blown down or even trees with branches ripped off or even blown over. And whilst that might look devastating right now, oh well, here on Environment Matters, we like to look on the bright side. And these events do provide us with opportunities. So first of all, let's think about those trees. So it is always sad to see a mature tree go, but it does leave a space for a lovely new tree. Now, the next few weeks are great times to plant trees. And there's lots of gorgeous trees that both you and wildlife will love. How about a cherry tree with its lovely spring flowers, summer fruit and rich autumn colour? Or perhaps a silver birch tree giving dappled shade and little seeds for birds and that beautiful bark in winter? Well, buy your tree bare rooted and it'll not only be cheaper but it'll also avoid issues with peat based compost and plastic pots. Now of course right tree, right place has to be the mantra so do look carefully at the ultimate height and spread of your chosen tree before buying it. There's lots of advice out there. Try the Royal Horticultural Society website. Search for RHS Trees. So that's the sadly fallen tree. How about the flattened fence? Well, the temptation is to replace it with another fence, which will probably blow down again at some point in the future. But how about a solution that will never blow down and will never need painting or mending? and will provide a perfect home for nesting songbirds. Well, I am, of course, talking about a hedge. And again, the next few weeks are a great time to plant a hedge. And hedging plants can be purchased, well, really quite cheaply. And planting a hedge might even be something you could do yourself. Again, go for bare-rooted if you can. Now... A hedge might be green all year, perhaps think yew or holly or flowering, think hawthorn or blackthorn or have lovely autumn colours, think field maple or beech. Take a look at the actions page of the Wilder St Albans website for lots of advice on projects like planting a hedge. But even the destructive force of Eunice can't stop the slow and beautiful creep of spring. Now, the telltale signs are popping up all over the place. The snowdrops have been out for a while, but now they're being joined by those stalwarts of St. David's Day, the daffodils. I've got some some really rather lovely ones in my front garden, and they've just come out in the last few days. Then there's the begonia. Now, you might know them as elephant's ears, big sort of leathery leaves on them and pink flowers. And the pink flowers are making, well, they're making quite a show this year. And the overwintering queen bumblebees seem to absolutely love them. Something else that the bees love is the blossom and the first snowy blossoms of the cherry plumber gracing the hedgerows now. 
might look a bit fairy delicate, but it's tough stuff and it's out there braving the weather whilst other flowers are still waiting for something a bit warmer. And there's some particularly early and lovely cherry plum blossom near Emmaus in the hedge at the back of Nuffield Health Centre car park. A little tip for you there. It's just left down to its do its own thing and every year it seems to win the race to the earliest blossom in the district. I mean, I say that, but do email amanda at radioverilund.com if you disagree and have a hedgerow near you that always blooms first in your part of the world. Then there's the catkins, the green shoots of the bluebells poking up through the woodland floor and a whole myriad of other plants ready on the starting blocks, ready to start the sprint for spring. But it's not just the plant world that's noticed that spring is here. As I mentioned, the bees are out on sunny days, making the most of those early flowers. And I found a beautiful yellow brimstone butterfly fluttering around in my house. Now, the brimstone, it's a fairly large, pale yellow butterfly with quite distinctive sort of leaf-shaped wings. Now, the adults hibernate through cold weather, so sort of through winter. And it's not uncommon to see them flying on warm days right throughout the year, although you are most likely to see them in spring and they are a particularly welcome sight. And other animals that will be active soon are amphibians like frogs and toads that will be out spawning. And we're getting used to the idea of providing for pollinators in our gardens but the idea of making our gardens toad friendly? Mm, Not so much. But Nadia from the Wilderhood Watch Group hopes to change that. I spoke to her about their new toad road initiative and I started by asking her why just toads to be quite honest it's because it rhymes with road so toad road which is a good enough reason would be a catchy name for a project but of course it does frog bogs (laughs) you think we could have done better um Yes, it does involve toads, but yes, all aquatic life, basically. We're, again, we're, we're just looking as part of that, um, Wildhood Watches, um, I, I suppose, our whole mission to make our streets and networks of lovely wildlife-friendly streets. We're just doing the same thing here. where we, we want everybody to have some sort of pond feature in their garden to, um, to attract aquatic animals and also all those other things that come along with it like um you know the dragonflies and all the other lovely insects yes indeed so of course toads are a type of amphibian why are amphibians important i mean they're not quite as cute and attractive as some of the things that we're called to protect are they right yes but they they are a really good sign of of um, how biodiverse your garden is they're of course beautiful creatures in their own right i mean i can't imagine a world without frogs toads newts um they're such amazing little creatures I and mean, the fact that they spend um, you know so much of their lives in the water and suddenly then they can pop out and they can spend another period of their lives completely i don't know living in your hedge they just amaze me really so um it's it's so important that these little creatures have space to survive and of course for quite a large part of their life cycles they do need a pond they need water Okay, so why in particular do amphibians need our help? Why, why you know, the numbers aren't going well. Why are they in trouble? Because people are filling up their ponds and they don't really consider them, unfortunately, um, when, when they're planning a garden often. And actually, the most important thing you can do in your garden to increase biodiversity is 
to have a pond. And I think maybe a lot of people don't realise that. And I think the other thing is, you know, people love dragonflies. They're such beautiful, amazing creatures. But I think maybe um, not everybody realises that they need ponds to to, um, to lay their eggs and for their larvae to grow. They're completely waterborne creatures when they're young. Um, it's only when, when they um, become adults that they fly and and they're not in the water anymore so often i think people don't equate that actually no ponds mean no dragonflies which would indeed be very sad so if we'd like to see toads amphibians dragonflies you want us to dig a pond now this is sounding like hard work nadia i'll be honest here you can always get someone else to do it or all right there is an alternative just make a mini pond you know you don't need to be digging and digging um you can if you've got a small garden have a smaller pond you could maybe find a container an old basin something like that um even a washing up you know, a round washing up basin will do. And you can just dig a hole and put that in it. And and, and that could be your pond. There, there are so many different ways in that, that you can actually bring water into your garden. Okay, that, that is sounding a little bit more approachable there. And are there any other quick do's and don'ts as far as our little um, pond goes? Right, yes. Um, I think whether it's, a, um, whether it's a small one or a big one, obviously if you want to dig a big one, go for it, because the bigger the better, really, when it comes to, um, you know, attracting wildlife into your garden. But um, I'd say one thing is make sure you have a lovely um, shallow part of your pond, um, a little beach, so it's really easy for creatures to get in and out, um, especially hedgehogs, for example, who are always getting into trouble. Um, so have different levels for your pond. Um, if you if you're really keen on having toads and newts, make sure that you make it quite deep. So in the centre, make it about sixty five centimetres should do the trick, and and you'll have newts and possibly toads um, coming into your pond. Um, so that that would be the main thing. And then and then also, I think if it's a true wildlife pond, um, just think about the edges. You know, it's, it's you want to create shelter, places for creatures to hide close to the edge of your pond. So long grass, wildflowers, that all works really well. You don't you you certainly don't. I mean, lots Lots of ponds do have quite fancy edging, but it's really not required. Just just grass, long grass on the edge will actually look really nice. Okay, that sounds nice and easy as well. So you've you've called this project Toad Roads. It's not called this might be because it didn't rhyme. It's not called Toad Garden or anything like that. Is, is this something we need to get all the neighbours involved with? Oh yes, as always with Wildhood Watch, it's never just about your garden. It's always about your neighbours either side, your neighbours to the rear, your neighbours down the road. The whole idea is that all animals need to travel. They need to travel to keep their gene pool alive. They need to travel for food. And and our streets, if, if we make all our gardens wildlife friendly along our streets, our, our um, urban wildlife will be able to su- survive so much better. So please, you know, it's wonderful if you're doing great things in your own garden, but if, if your garden will depend on the gardens around it um, to maintain that wildlife population. Okay. Yes, so pest so, neighbours. So, so, so perhaps dig your own pond, but encourage other people in the road to, as you say, even even just a shallow pool of water with uh, with a few stones in it. It really doesn't need to be complicated, really does. does it? And and the other thing is, I mean, and I I do think that 
part of being a good neighbour is is if you see somebody down the road would really like a pond, but um, you know maybe for whatever reason they're not going to be able to dig anything yourself. I, you know, I just think it's it's a really nice thing to do, isn't it? To suggest well maybe you could come round and help them or, or dig a bit for them. Indeed, perhaps a a bit of a, yeah, a street working group or something exactly, like that. Exactly. Saying, yeah. yeah, lending a helping mm-hmm. hand, not just for the neighbours but the wildlife as well. What a lovely idea, Nadia. Thank you. <laughs> I hope Toad Roads go go very well. And as always, we'll find more information about this on the Wilderhood Watch um, webpage. Webpage, yes, yeah. Lovely. Nadia, thank you very much indeed for telling us about that. That's fine. And thank you, Amanda. I was talking there to Nadia Bishara of the Wilderhood Watch. And do take a look at their website, wilderhoodwatch.org, where you'll find more about Toad Roads and about their many other projects. And do think about whether your street could be a Wilderhood Watch street. Now, whilst I've seen sightings of frogspawn in other parts of the country reported on social media, I have not seen anything reported locally yet, and there haven't been any amphibious visitations to the little pond in my garden. But it shouldn't be too long, so do share your sightings with me on Twitter, at RV underscore Environment, via the Environment Matters Facebook page, or do email amanda at radioverulam.com. And do remember that sadly, because amphibians suffer from some really quite nasty diseases, we are advised not to move them or their spawn from one place to another because we risk spreading these diseases to healthy amphibian populations. So just one more thing for your garden or outdoor space this spring. Love is in the air for birds, which can only mean one thing. Time to put up your nest boxes. Last week was National Nest Box Week, and nest boxes have become invaluable infrastructure for birds in a landscape with dwindling habitat. Did you know, for example, that over half of all the barn owls now nest in a nest box? That's amazing, actually, isn't it? And whilst providing natural habitat like a hedge is ideal, nest boxes can really help too. Now, there's lots of advice on the RSPB website, for instance. If you want to provide for house sparrows, then you'll need to remember that they're sociable little birds and so will need a whole row of nest boxes so there's room for everyone. You'll find a good selection of bird boxes at our local garden centres or online on the RSPB website. Right, well, I've just got time to tell you about an event that you might be interested in. It's next Monday, 28th of February, between 7 and 8 in the evening, and it's online. Um, and it's entitled The Great Elm Revival. And it's run by the Hearts of Middlesex Wildlife Trust, and they say that they'll be taking a closer look at the mystery and magic of these magnificent trees whose days might not be numbered after all. Now, they say, join us for an engaging talk and discussion about the beautiful elm tree. Now, the talk will be by Robert Somerville, uh, an elm enthusiast who's also written a book about them and has unexpectedly discovered many large elm trees in our English landscapes. He spent two decades studying the lives of these trees, as well as propagating the root suckers of over 20 different types and observing their growth patterns. Now, this talk could be of particular interest as there are, in fact, remaining elm trees in our district. In fact, there's one in Clarence Park and Wilder St Albans have already started using suckers from it to propagate new trees, which it's hoped will provide Dutch elm disease resistance stock to start the return of the elm and, of course, all the wildlife that depends on it to St Albans. So that's the great elm revival 
Festival on Monday the 28th of February and you can book online via the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust website. And whilst the event is free, there's a suggested donation of £5. Plenty to be getting on with there. I'll be back with you at the same time next week. But until then, thank you for listening.